come to moments like these where the essence of the gospel has to truly be trusted because what we see doesn't always match up with what we embrace by faith. And whether it's hospitals, whether it's sick rooms, or whether it's these final moments, it's as difficult to deal with the end result of sin, which is death, as it is to acknowledge that God sees us as if we have no sins and recognize that we are truly what he says that we are. So we pray that um, our time in considering God's word would just be a reiteration of what you embrace by faith and what your what your mother, especially to Deborah and to Oliver, what your mother uh, represented for you and instructed you in and bringing you up in the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, funerals are difficult. Uh, there is a finality to it uh, that, that changes and alters things that we are left to deal with. But God continues to minister his grace to us in spite of this, one of the most difficult portions of scripture to me uh, that, that shows the difficulty of our moment is when Jesus at the grave of Lazarus says that if anyone believes in me, they'll never die. Then he comes back and he says, but if you die, you'll live again. We live in that gap between believing that we are the possessors of eternal life but yet we all have to go to these services. So we pray. Uh, we pray for you. Uh, no matter when uh, these situations come, uh, it's never expected. So what I want to do this, 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 this afternoon is just consider God's word for a few moments. The verse that we want to look at is uh, Revelation chapter 14. And I want to consider the 13th verse. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write these, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. From now on, blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. May God richly bless both the reading and the hearing of his holy word. There are a couple of thoughts that we want to extract from that particular verse, the wording that's there. But before we look at this verse in its particular uh, setting, there are three basic truths that we need to understand about death that are actually reflected in the words of the text. Three particular truths about death, and that will lead us into this passage. The first thing that we need to understand about death, that death is a consequence of human sin. It is a consequence of human sin. One of the mistakes that people make in waxing philosophically and sometimes taking our theology from Shakespeare and not knowing the difference between Shakespeare and Scripture is that we have allowed Shakespeare to tell us to err is human, but to err is not human. 
To err is to be fallen. And to be fallen is to bring upon us the sentence of death. Uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages that sin has earned is death. So therefore death is not natural to life. Don't let anyone fool you. We're not born to die. No, just like we're, it's not, to, to err is not human, to, to err is fallen. Uh, but, but we're not born to die. Writer of, 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 of Ecclesiastes says he has put eternity in our breasts. So therefore, death is the consequence of our fallen condition. Now, because we see we live in a, in a cursed creation, the, the sting of death is real. And, and the, the, the touch of death, the stain of death is all over us. But death itself is the result of sin. It is the consequence, or as John Gill, great 19th century Baptist preacher, put it, that death is the fruit of sin. So if there is no sin, there is no death. So we need to understand that. So which, which, which by the way, that tells us that no innocent people die. Death itself is a consequence of sin. Here's the second thing we need to understand about death, that death is also judicial in its nature. It is the consequence of sin, but it's judicial in its nature. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says this, that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So it's, it is the result of sin, but it's judicial. It's, it's, it's actually a penalty. It's not something, it's not a disease that we get. Death is the consequence of our fallenness, but death itself is, a, is an act. It has been given to us as an, a divine judgment. It's judicial. So at the end of, of this life, then we must stand before the judge. Paul in, in Acts 17 in his sermon on Mars Hill says that, that he has chosen to judge the world by one man and that man he has raised from the dead. Death is the consequence of sin and it is judicial in its nature or you could say that it's legal. But here's the third thing that we need to understand about death. Death is divine in its source. It is divine in its source. In other words, death was entered into, it's, it's the result of one man's action as he was tempted by the evil one. But ultimately, death does not come from Satan. Death has been issued by God. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying that you may surely eat of, of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. Death comes from God. A writer of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says that it is appointed unto men once to die. And who does the appointing? It's God. God is the source, ultimately, that we have to deal with. And so we can't plea bargain because, number one, death is a consequence of sin. It's judicial, and the judge that issues it is God himself. 
Now, those are three truths that travel throughout the pages of sacred scripture. Everywhere we, we, we encounter this, that, that there is, where, that, that because sin is a reality, death is a problem. Because it is a sentence that we have earned, it's judicial, and because God is holy and just, he will not reverse the penalty. He deals with it in, a, in another way. But he doesn't just sweep our indiscretions. He doesn't, he doesn't sweep our sins under the rug. But God is a righteous judge. But de death has therefore been issued from him. So we don't blame anyone, and, and it's hard. I, I remember reading in the book of Job when, when Job's wife was upset because he had lost everything, and, and she says, well, why don't you just curse God and die? Job says, woman, you sound foolish. And then he raises this question. Shall we receive all of this good from the hand of God and not continue to trust him? It is the Lord who gives. And it is, it is the Lord who takes away. Now this truth, that, that third truth about death, is the reason that some people don't go to church now. Because they can't conceive of serving a God who is the author of death. Doesn't matter if the death comes after six weeks or 60 years, they can't conceive of serving a God who is the author of death. But I want you to be clear that death has been issued from no one other than God. Well, that being the case, I want to look at the first thing from this particular text, and it stands out in, very, in a very clear fashion. We see that, that death is the, the fruit of sin, and it is judicial, and it has come forth from God. But here's the thing that, that is made very clear in the scripture, and that is this. All death is not the same. God doesn't view death, all death, the same. All humans die, it doesn't matter how, circumstances may, may, may be different, but all human death is not the same. Notice the text says, those who die in the Lord, indicating that it's possible for one to not die in the Lord. And so what does it mean? So, so how do we see then the difference that God makes? The difference that we make, we see even in verses 9 through 11 of this chapter that it, it speaks of those who die not in the Lord. But look at the way that they're, they're described, certainly not a blessed condition. Beginning in verse 9, it says, And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night. Worshippers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of the beast. Now here's what he's saying, and I know people get in trouble with this. People don't like to talk about heaven or hell. We'll talk about heaven, but we don't want to talk about hell. Let me just say this. I don't know what heaven actually is other than facing God guilty without a mediator. 
So I don't know if there's, you know, people years ago, and unfortunately they were Baptists, but a number of years ago, Baptists claimed to have found the place where hell was, that it was so close they could hear people crying from the ground. I said, I don't think that's it. And I wish they hadn't been Baptists. I don't know if there's a room somewhere. Here's what I know. Here's what I believe. I believe that the Bible gives us this imagery of such torment that can't be explained until you experience it. I don't think there's a lake of fire. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is that there is an existence, a state of existence for those who are not in the Lord that is perpetual which means it never ends, and it's not, it does not accomplish the pleasure that God intended for his image bearers. I say, well, do you really believe that? Yes, I do. I do. I do believe that all death is not equal. I think there are two ways that we die. We either die in the Lord and experience bless, bliss, or we die out of the Lord and experience in reality whatever is symbolically described in verses 9 and 12, or 9 through 12. So all death is not the same. Here in verses 9 through 12, we see the description of those who die outside of the Lord, those who are not in the Lord, and, and that's all the difference there is. You see, the one, can we all live and we are all under the sentence of death, but some will die under that curse. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, one of the problems that people have with this is because you say, you know, here's what we want to do. Everyone that dies, you know, the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth, they're in a better place. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, because for some, their misery doesn't begin until they stop living in this life. It does, you, they think they had it hard until they face the judge without a mediator. So, so here's the thing that we see that, that the writer in verse 13 is talking about those who die in the Lord to make the case that every death is not the same. Psalms 116 tells us precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. So all death is not the same. Therefore, the question remains, then what, what's the difference? The difference is whether or not we die in the Lord. So the difference between them, as we see, if death is what we have deserved and, and every, every death is not the same, then what's the difference? The difference is, because notice the death experience described in verses 9 through 11 is miserable. But the thing that extenuates our text here is that the death experience for others is described as blessed. And so that raises the question then, what does it mean to die in the Lord? Because it is to die in the Lord that makes the death experience a blessed one. Three things and we're done. To, to, to die in the Lord, first off, means to share by faith 
into the dynamics of his death, his burial, and resurrection, which we experience, by the way, in baptism. To die in the Lord means to share in the likeness of his death, his burial, and resurrection, which we experience through baptism. Romans 6, verses 3 through 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also might walk in newness of life. To die in the Lord means to share in the death and burial and, and, and resurrection of Jesus. Now what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we have to be crucified. What it means to embrace him and to share in his death, his burial and resurrection, it is to recognize that since I am under the sentence of death, what God has done for me is given me his son. Remember we said that death is judicial, which, which means it's a legal problem. It's a forensic problem. And the problem is that the judge that we have offended is divine. So here's what is required in order to satisfy the judge. We need to do and be everything that he's required. In other words, keep his commandments. And you know how often? All the time. You know how deep? In thought, in word, and in deed. That's what he has required. So it's none of this, well, I'll do better. No, here's what it takes. Any departure from what God has required, it brings us under eternal condemnation. But then here's the other thing about that. So you say, well, if, and listen, somebody has written that off. Somebody is, is really believing that Psalms 1 is telling you how to be the blessed man so that you can endure in the presence of the Lord and doesn't recognize that some, Psalms 1 is describing someone that's not you. Or some will read Psalms 24. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So they've set about trying to clean their hands and wash their heart. Brothers and sisters, here's what it means to embrace Christ by faith in his death, his burial, and resurrection. It means to recognize that I am not able to be what God has required me to be. And so he sent his son, who in all points was human just like me, and in his body, in his mind, in his heart, he submitted to the will of God in all things. He was fully obedient to the will of God in all things, even to the death of the cross. So I believe that Jesus lived for the righteousness that I owed to God. But then we have a problem. If I violated his law at any point, then I am condemned. So to embrace Christ by faith means that I believe that when Jesus died, he died to pay the penalty that I couldn't. In his life, he lived for the righteousness that I could not produce that God requires. And in his death, I have been, the penalties that were against me have been abolished because he died in my place. But then it also says that we share in his resurrection. 
so that we could walk in the newness of life. So therefore, by faith, I recognize that God has already judged me in Christ. I have been raised to the newness of life. And right now, just as the Father, just as the Son is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Father sees me as if I am He. So what does it mean to die in Christ? It means to embrace Him, to share in the likeness of His death, His burial, and his resurrection. But secondly, it me- to die in Christ, uh, to die in the Lord, means to live in the Lord. To live in the Lord. Paul in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To die in the Lord is not only to share in the likeness of his death, his burial, and his resurrection by baptism, but it is also to live in him, to recognize that even as we stand forgiven by God, there is nothing in our hands that we bring that justify us before the king of glory recognizing that I, the only thing that is acceptable from, God, or from me to God must be in Christ because I am not able in and of myself. So all of this, well, my actions might not be good, but the Lord knows my heart. He does know my heart, and he knows that it's wicked above all things. So therefore, to die in the Lord means to live, to live in the newness of life. To live as if I've been forgiven and to live as if I have been set free. To live as if I am no longer in darkness, but I have been raised by the power of God that is is in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, to die in the Lord means to be covered by the righteousness of Christ which, and, and that means to, to, to be covered by the righteousness in, of Christ. It means that I have no confidence in my human virtue. I have no confidence in my human piety. It means that I know that as, as much as the Lord has done for me, I ought to do better, but I don't. And to go to heaven means that I, it's not, I, we don't go to heaven because we got better. We go to heaven Because we know that we are covered. And so here's what I've often said that as in in light of what the Lord says in Isaiah. that, That even our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. Therefore Jesus came to not only cleanse me of my sins. But he also cleanses my righteousness. My pride fingerprints. All over good deeds that I do. Isn't that what we do? We, we, don't, don't we keep a, a, a track, don't we keep a, a, a record, an accounting book on all of the evil that's been done to us and all of the virtues that we have done so that we can boast loudly, oh yeah, I did that, and yeah. And then we hold with tenacious, tenacious vengeance any conceived ill that we have received from another. Therefore, not only does our sin, is our sin offensive to God, but also our righteousness. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of, the not, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things 
and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Brothers and sisters, to die in the Lord is not only to share in the likeness of his death, burial, and resurrection. It is not only to, to know, well, to, 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 to share, to, to live in him and to be identified in him. But to, to, to die in the Lord is to recognize, it is to throw up our hands and to say that I have no righteousness that is acceptable to you, but I have the righteousness that you've given me in your son be covered by the righteousness of another. I was interviewed on a podcast a while back, and at the end of the interview, the guy always asked his guests the actors, uh, the, the 10 questions from the actor's studio, and so the final question is this, since you believe in heaven, what do you expect God to say when you get there? And I thought about it, and I said, well, I hope to hear him say, I told you. What is it? And you know what that's attached to? God has been telling me my whole journey that he, I am precious to him. God has told me my whole journey that my sins are forgiven. God has told me that that which was has already been dealt with. He's taken all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgiveness. And it doesn't always feel like it. When I get to heaven, I don't want to hear him. I, he, he'll say, well done, but that's not the thing that will put a smile on my face. When he says, I told you. Sister Hart had a difficult last couple of years. But she died in the Lord. That's, that's what it is. She, she died in the Lord. In other words, we are not here celebrating her virtues that made the world better. She was, I'm sure, a sweet woman and a great mother, but that's not why we're celebrating. Because, see, she was covered with the righteousness of another. And we believe that she lived, the, that the life that she lived in the flesh, that it was by the power of God for the one who loved her and gave himself for her. So therefore, every death is not the same. When we, one truth that Paul says that is universal, you know what is true? That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that's not good news for everyone. To be present with the one that saved us and gave himself for us is what it means to die in the Lord. Here's what we know. Everyone that is here, unless you are here when the Lord returns, everyone who is here or here's this, will die. Because it's inescapable. There is a connection between sin and death. And all of you are sinners. All of us <laughs> are sinners. 
So since we can't escape it and it comes from, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, one, it's a bench warrant that we will all have to live up to. And since God is the one who issues the warrant, it's inescapable. So it's no question of if you will die. We don't know how. We don't know the circumstances. But we know that you will die. Here is the question. But will you die in the Lord? Blessed are those who die in the Lord. You know why? Because their labor has ended and their works that are in Christ Jesus. And you know what that means when it says our works will follow us? Don't start going back over your church record. No, that's not the works that will follow you. The works that will follow the saint who is covered in the righteousness of Christ will be like, where did all those trucks come from? All of the righteousness of Christ will then be counted to you. You won't have to check your account and say, well, let me cash all this before they figure out the mistake that I wasn't as good. No. It's real righteousness that has been accomplished by a real human being. Blessed are those who are the dead who die in the Lord. So here's what we know. She died in the Lord, and therefore, she is blessed. I pray that that is our comfort, and I pray that that is your testimony. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, thanking you again for the gift of life and the newness of life that you have given us in him. We are here because you have spoken. We are here paying tribute, giving comfort and condolence, but we are here because you have interrupted our moment to remind us that we are fleeting and frail. Our moments are measured in your hand, and you have called and you have spoken to us so that we would have the confidence of the sister that you have called from our presence that indeed to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in Christ. So we pray, Father, that those who are here, that you would give ears to hear as we ought to hear, knowing that our own day is coming. And the only question is whether we will be in him. Thank you, Father, for your word and your grace. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.